Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to uh, all the dads out there. We're really glad that all of you are are here to uh, worship uh, with us this morning. Uh, We're continuing the message series called Relationships at the Box Office, and we kicked it off looking at a movie last week. And the goal of this series is to pull out some central themes to what movies are talking about this summer. And so we've kind of looked at what are the summer releases, what are some of the movies, and what do they say specific about how life works and how relationships work. And if you're like me, every day we're getting messages uh, from the media, from culture, from family, from friends. And all the time we have these messages. We're always trying to figure out what what's true, what's real, how does life work. And oftentimes when we watch movies, it's really easy to focus on movies as entertainment. Uh, that's what I actually like to do. On days like this, where it's like hot, and you're like, man, I don't want to be like cooped up inside. How about we are cooped up inside in a movie theater? It's got this big draw to it. And so we live in a time where like movies is a place where we like to go gather. We like to kind of veg out. We like to enjoy the air conditioning, eat popcorn, all that. But at the same time, every time that we are in front of media, whether it's the TV or whether it's the radio that we listen to or movies that we watch, again, there's certain messages that uh, we're being sent. And our goal here at Church in the Valley is with everything to look at what does the messages that we believe and think about every day in our life and the things that we've been sent or we've been taught or we've grown up with, like how does that actually line up with what the Bible says? And we really want the Bible to be our guide. We want the Bible to be what determines what we say and what we do and specific in relationships, how we treat each other. And so our goal in the series is let's pull out what movies say about relationships, how we should treat each other, and then line that up with what the Bible says. And for this series, we're specifically looking for what are some of the things that actually destroy our relationships and how do we combat some of those things? And these things are not just what we see on the big screen, they're not just from you know, movies or characters in the movies. They're, they're actually things that we deal with within our hearts. And so our goal in the series is pull out the themes of the movie and then kind of compare with how do we actually battle some of those things in our own life? And then how does God help us as we decide to do life this way? How does he help us to actually kind of overcome some of those tendencies? And so last week we looked at the, the first big killer of relationships, and that's pride. And we looked at the movie X-Men Apocalypse, and we kind of talked about how pride has an agenda, and the agenda is self and self-promotion and our own goals. And a lot of times when we enter in a relationship, and if pride is the thing that's in the forefront of how we treat each other, really, it's not long before the relationship begins to shrivel up. So today we're taking it kind of another look at what can destroy relationships, and we're looking at the idea of refusing to be honest about who you are, the idea of, of secrecy, of, of not really being forthright with the person that you are and, and hiding from others. And we're going to be talking about the movie Now You See Me Too. And I want to show the trailer for this movie. It's actually like you could imagine. Now You See Me Too is a sequel of Now You See Me, which came out in 2013. And it's a movie centered on the lives of illusionists and magicians. And their goal is really to make money and to kind of get fame while they're at it. And that was like the first movie was all about that and kind of the characters relating to each other and crime was involved and the cops were involved and there was this kind of all saga, all the things that we like in movies. And then part two is a continuation of that 
and they find themselves in more trouble, right? Because if they're not in more trouble, then like you don't have a sequel. So they're in more trouble. That way you can have the sequel. And then it continues. How do these magicians and illusionists relate to each other? How do they overcome odds? And it's pretty entertaining, um, interesting. But I want to show the trailer and then I'm going to kind of talk about this theme a little bit more. So let's watch this together. I've been told I have some control issues. So I'm going to try to control something that's a lot easier than people. Stop. You're magicians and thieves. And we need your skills. This is the key to every computer system on the planet. We want you to steal it. Yes, you were lured into a trap. And the only way out is through. We're still going to play a little game. I know you will. We're going to destroy him. Thanks for having us. Let's go, let's go. Crazy! I hope you guys were paying attention. Ta-da! They're up, Want to know what all this has been leading to? The greatest magic trick ever created. Some of you are thinking, like, Harry Potter is in this movie. Yes, he is in this movie. In fact, he's actually the main nemesis. He's kind of the, the bad guy. Okay, so interesting. Uh, but... He, he hires this, these four horsemen, these magicians, these illusionists, and he has a job for them to do, which kind of will give him great power. And in that, they're trying to kind of double-cross each other, and all sorts of things happen. You can watch the movie uh, to kind of get the gist of the storyline, or you can't, and I kind of just gave you the whole thing. But there you go. But it's, it's an interesting movie about this kind of not everything is, is as it seems. And in fact, from the first movie, there's a, there's a line, kind of the tagline, and it's, the closer you think you are the less you'll actually see. Now, that, that's kind of a normal line for magicians. But what you find in the first movie is that their act isn't just an act. This is actually how they relate personally. Uh, they never want anyone to get too close. And right when you think you're close, you're actually not at all. And then the second movie with the, the, the main nemesis, uh, of it had, had like another take on this. And this was his view of how he hides from people. And he says this, I just want to be a hundred percent off the grid in a world of surveillance. That's the only way not to be seen. Walter Mabry. He's, he's the nemesis. He's Harry Potter. Okay. So I can't for some reason see him and not say that, but so he, he's saying in a world of surveillance, you have to be a hundred percent off the grid. Okay. This idea of you, he, he moved, he's in a different country. He's hiding, um, and that's the only way you can't be seen. And so there's this, again, this, this theme of, you know, wanting to, to move forward in life, but at the same time, not letting anyone get too close. And so this deception kind of goes on throughout both of these movies and, and you see it now in the movies and in the lives of like magicians and illusionists, like this, this makes sense. But however, this is something that, that we actually deal with, with ourselves. And throughout these, like throughout this series, there's a point in which we have to be honest with ourselves as we talk about some of these themes, because a lot of times we don't talk about kind of what's maybe deep within us, things that we don't necessarily talk about with others. But this, there's this tendency that we all have. I want to build a case for this, that, that there's a tendency in all of us that we kind of like that idea of just not getting too close to people because we, 
we're not exactly sure what they're going to see. We don't really want them to see certain things about us. And so we may not want to be 100% off the grid, but maybe 50%. Let people know us, but not too much. And we, we kind of all deal with this, this idea of pulling away from people. We can get close, but not too close because we're not sure what's going to happen in a relationship. And so this idea of hiding, being secretive, of kind of getting close, but not too close, that, that's something that we all have to deal with in our relationships. And so I want to spend the time kind of talking about that. But I'm just going to be honest. Ever since I was young, I've realized that there are certain things that I, I didn't want to be honest about. And I'm sure we could all share stories of times when you were a kid where you did something wrong and you just had to figure out how to hide it. Right. Can you think of that? Did you ever do something wrong as a kid and you thought, how do I hide this so my parents don't find out? I'm going to share one of mine just so you don't ever have to try this. Toothpicks do not start cars. I learned that at an early age. I was in a car once when I was younger and there was a toothpick, you know, from a restaurant kind of lying on the dashboard area. And I thought, like, what if I put the toothpick in the ignition and turned it and it started the car? It's like, that would be awesome. Like, you don't have to buy keys anymore. You just go to restaurants and you don't have keys to every car ever. So I put the toothpick in. I was like, this is going to be amazing, like, science experiment. And so I, I stuck the toothpick in there, and I just, like, cranked it, and the toothpick just snapped. And then I looked, and I had half the toothpick, and I thought, huh, I think the other half might still be in there. But my mom wasn't there, so I thought, I'm going to get away with this. My sisters were in the back seat, and as long as I didn't say anything, I was going to be fine. So my mom comes, and she's like, are you guys ready to go? We were leaving to go somewhere, waiting in the car. And she takes her key, and she, like, shoves it in the ignition. But the key, like, doesn't go in. And so she's like, what is going on? And she just is taking the key, and she's just shoving it in. And I'm just, just hoping, like, maybe, like, she'll push it far enough in that it will still work. You know, and so I'm just like thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, no, this is not going well. She's like, what is going on? What is going on? She's just asking this question, what is going on? And I'm thinking like, I mean, I guess it could be related to something I just stuck in there, you know. And so I'm like kind of trying to just gauge this like situation. Like, is there still a chance that I can get away with this? Is there still a chance I don't have to fess up to what I've done? And finally, I realize that she's jamming it further and further in. I just, I think I know. That was my, I think I know. That was like my admission, but still it might be something else. But I think I know, and I told her. And you know that, like, if you've ever, if you're a parent, you have those moments with your kids, like, where you are literally like, what are you thinking? Like, that was the moment my mom had with me. Like, like what are you thinking? And I was like, well, I thought, like, it would be totally cool if you could start a car with a toothpick. Of course, that's what I was thinking. But it begs, you know, I, I wasn't really thinking. That's that's why I did it. And so we, there were consequences, which I won't talk about, but I learned my lesson that day. Don't use toothpicks to start cars. There you go. Now, you may want to like, well, don't tell your kids that now because then they're going to be like, really? Are you sure? Maybe I'll try it. But you don't want to do that. But th- there was a part of me, as soon as I had done wrong, where I didn't want to admit it. I don't want to talk about it. And like I said, as kids, we all have kind of those stories. We have those memories of times that we've done wrong and we just we don't want to be found out. What you find is as adults, we, we still run into these, but oftentimes it's not necessarily that we've done necessarily something wrong, but there's just, again, these parts of us where if we get too close, we're not sure how people are going to treat us. We're not going to sure what people are going to do to us. And there's, there's a lot of fear that that's involved. And Proverbs 18.1 uh, gives like this 
this wise saying about this, this pull to isolate ourselves or to withdraw from people. And it says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. The reason I bring this up is that this is speaking to something that we can all tend to deal with in our relationships. This idea of isolation. Sometimes it's from the, the wrong we've done. Sometimes it's from wrong done to us. Sometimes it's, again, just we don't want people to get too close, so we pull away from people. And what the scripture is saying is, is that pull in us is real, but when you do that, you're seeking your own desire. There's a certain thing that you're wanting to protect. It could be your image. It could be your security. It could be your time. But there's a part of us where, where we're isolating ourselves. We're, we're wanting to seek something that's important to us. But then the second half of that is, but he breaks out against all sound judgment. This idea of hiding and pulling away and being secretive and not being honest about who we are. We're actually going against the way that God made us to be. And so even when you watch a, a movie like Now You See Me Too and you see magicians and illusionists, there's actually a lot that you can learn from even the strategies that, that happen in the movies. And I think there's parallels to what we do in real life. And so I didn't do like a vast study on, on, you know, magicians and everything, but there's a lot of tricks that magicians have to fake you out. Okay. Uh, some of them are sleight of hand. We have some pictures of, this is actually a clip from the movie. The security guards are looking for that card, but all of the horsemen at this, like just five minute scene, keep hiding the card. And as they're in the back, they put it to the front of the hand. And then when they go to the front of the hand, they switch it to the back and then they throw it. And it's like these throws where there's a guy here and they throw it this way. It's like, you know, in the real world, it just the card just curves, figure eights, flies, you know, you can do that. But it's sleight of hand. It's like right when you see what you think you see, it, it's no longer there. That's what magicians do. Uh, another tactic is uh, smoke and mirrors. Uh, that's where the illusion comes. Like it's hard to tell. What's happening? And they use lighting and fog and all these special effects. And it's to confuse your mind. Right. When you think you kind of are tracking, uh, you no longer can track anymore. And so people make money off of the ability to do this. And it's actually a, an art and a craft that people have to to spend hours and hours and hours and hours perfecting so they can mislead people. And again, in entertainment, that. That works. But when this starts to happen, when we kind of have sleight of hand in our personal life or when we have our own illusions where we want people to see something, but there's maybe a little smoke and mirror like where they're not really seeing what's going on. This actually damages our relationship. And so I began to think if refusing to be honest about who we are really does hurt us, then how are some ways that that we do that in relationships? And so I I just thought of I thought of a few. Some some of the ways that, that we hide is we just lie you know, when, when somebody asks us kind of what's going on in our life, maybe it's people that care about us and they ask us what's going on and how we're doing. We, we just we fake it. So we just lie. We just tell them what we think they want to hear or we tell them what we want to tell them. And so we lie or uh, we withhold information. There's an opportunity to be forthright and upfront about what we're going through, what's happening in a relationship, but we with just we withhold. We withhold enough, oftentimes in our relationships, so we can maybe look better than we really are. This is like, you know, part that goes on with us. Like, how much do I really say? And then the third aspect is we just avoid. We avoid people. 
And a great way that you don't have to be honest with people and talk about what's really going on in your life is just you don't see them. And have you ever like had like something that you needed to be at? Sometimes it's church or it's work or it's an event or even sometimes it's even fun. But you think to yourself, I just I don't want to go. I just don't want to see that person or I don't want to deal with that situation. And that's when we begin to kind of rationalize in our mind, like, I don't want to have to deal with that relationship. I don't have to deal with this. So I'm just going to, again, I'm going to pull away. I'm going to isolate myself. And again, what's beneath the surface is there's, there's things that are driving this. Lying, withholding information, avoiding. This isn't just we wake up and we think like, I'm just not going to tell the truth to people. But it's actually coming from things that, that are in our hearts. Uh, some of those are, are pride. Like we just, we really care about how we look to people. I, I know I do. I care about how I look. I care about my image. I care about what people think. And so oftentimes there's information that maybe makes me not look as good as I want to look. Then I have a choice of what I'm supposed to do with that. So pride. We've been dealing with that since we were made. We all have pride in our hearts. Uh, there's another aspect is, is shame. And that's, there's things that maybe we've done in our life that we don't want anyone to know. Or there's things that have been done to us and we don't want anyone to know. And the thought of getting close to somebody to actually have to tell them who we really are, it just, it overwhelms us. It freaks us out. And so this drives why we do that as well. It drives the strategy. And then sometimes it's pain. In our relationships, you may have opened up to somebody. And I know I've opened up to people. And if there's trust that's been broken or if somebody has treated you in a certain way based on the closeness of the relationship or what they know about you, it just it can really cut you really deep. And it's actually hard to come back from those relationships. So if it's pride or if it's shame or if it's pain, it all leads us to the same place. There's just this part where we only want to get close enough. And then we want to protect and layer. We want this part where it's like, oh, not too close. And what actually happens before this impacts our relationships is most of the time, this actually happens in our relationship with God as well. Because the thought is, if, if, if God has a certain way he wants me to act, and I'm not willing to do that because of these things, then there's a wall that goes up. If I have shame, oftentimes the shame we feel in our life because of things that we've done begins with our relationship with God. If we feel like God's not going to accept us or God's mad at us or God's distant from us, that drives a lot of times how we relate in our relationships. So a lot of times there's this hiding that we do even in our relationship with God. Problems arise and a lot of times you can kind of peel it back and peel it back and peel it back. And it's this idea of we, we really don't want to let God in and what's really going on. This happens to all of us. And so in a movie like this in Hollywood, they're not attempting, obviously, to, to show you. This is a problem we all have. We all want to be illusionists figuratively, you know. But this is kind of something that we can talk about because this idea of deception makes for great movies. But in relationships, it's terrible. It destroys. There's just a part in all of us that we can get away with something without somebody fully knowing what's happening. We, we often want to do that because of things I've been talking about. So I want to kind of shift gears and talk about how we can escape this, this pull. 
what, is, what, what, what can we do to kind of overcome this pull to be secretive, to not be honest? And you find in, in the scriptures, there's this, this picture of coming out of the darkness into the light. And I want to walk through that with you. And the idea here is that God has provided all of us a way to move out of the darkness of deception and, and into the light. We all can do that. And so there's a passage on your handout. If you're following along, you can read it and it will also be up here on the screen. I just want to, uh, to read part of this and then kind of walk through uh, the truth of, of this scripture. And this is what it says. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay, so there's just some certain principles here. God is light. And there's there's no darkness at all. And so and what we're talking about, there's this idea of the light is, I think, one of the most underused descriptions of of God. And there's a sense of the light is is pure. It provides clarity. Everything can be seen. Everything is what it is. And with God, that that is that is who he is. There's no deception. There's no hidden agenda. There's no hidden strategy. There's no double crossing. There's no withholding information like he. He's actually revealed who he is to us. We find that in the scriptures. And as you relate to him, what we find in the scriptures and what we find in our experience, they actually can match. That's what it means that he's like. There, there's no like mixed experience. Like as you relate to God, he is who he says he is. And there's a purity there that we actually don't know outside of that relationship with God because there's no one like him. That's what makes him light. He's the only light. He is the light of the world. And so God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, there's some passages I'm going to go back to. But in verse nine, it kind of has the call to action if this is true. And first John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's the idea. There's the pull in all of us to want to isolate, to want to withdraw, to kind of basically want to just, we want our own way and we all battle sin. That's the human condition. We all battle that secrecy. And the remedy to this situation is not just knowing that God is light, not just knowing that, okay, there's a God out there that I'm sure I could relate to if I choose to, but it's this idea that if you actually turn away from that pull from secrecy, and the pull of, of darkness and just isolation and withdrawing. And if you actually confess that that is within you and that pull is within you, if you confess your sin, the fact that, that you've messed up, there's this tremendous promise that God is faithful and just to forgive you. And so this is talking about this, this human condition we all have that's marred by sin. And when sin entered, darkness entered the world and it entered us as individuals. So really, the reason relationships are hard and the reason we have pain and problems is because of this darkness. It's the darkness of sin. And so the scripture is telling us that God is, is light. He's pure. He is who he says he is. And then the call to action is, if you confess that you need the light in your life, if you confess that there is darkness in you, then he's faithful. And just so there's there's this part where he is going to do what he says he is, and he's going to forgive us of our sins, forgive us of going our own way and actually allow us to have a relationship with him in the light. 
So there, there's that kind of two sides. We have the refusal to be honest, that, that pull in us in our relationships. And it begins with our relationship with God. But if we get to the point where we're honest to God, and oftentimes in my life it looks like this, God, today I'm waking up and I kind of want to do things my own way. I have a certain goal that I want to happen today. I have a certain agenda. I'd really like it if people did this and this way to cooperate with what I want to see happen. And if I just admit that I really woke up today and I, I kind of want things my way. When I admit that to God and I, I, I ask him for help, God, help me not just to want my way. Help me not to just want to kind of pull away from people when I don't get my way. Help me, God, to be honest with who I am and where I am with what I'm dealing with, this is just something that I, I have to pray regularly. Because the pull to, to kind of appear one way and then live another is so real. Because it's this idea of the darkness. Sin brought the darkness, and the darkness brings these strategies that, that we don't want anyone to know about. So there's this promise of confession. And the light provides the clarity, the light provides the purity, and our life actually can be turned around as we decide to follow Jesus in a real way. And so I want to go on as what it says in, in verse 6. But there's this idea that if First John 1, 5, that we really believe that God is the light, that he is the only way to penetrate the darkness of ourselves and the world and humanity, the problem that we found, find ourselves in, and sin. And if verse 9 is real, that we actually decide that we need his light to penetrate our darkness and we need him to overcome our sin problem, then we can actually experience God in a real way and we can be known by others. That's what walking in the light does. It means that we can connect with God, experience him, and we can be known by others. And then verse 6, 7, and 8 describe this process a little bit more clear. So verse 6 says this, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in, walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So here this idea of the, the light and the darkness, it's describing how this again happens first and foremost in our relationship with God. So we are secretive and we hide and we're not ultimately clear with God first. And there's this just kind of real statement here that... If this is true, that you think you have fellowship with him, but you're walking in darkness, you lie and you do not practice the truth. It's kind of like, I love you, God. I want to do what you say, God. But at the same time, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. In fact, I'm going to do what I want to do. And this is God's light. And I want to walk with you in this light, but let me do this first. And this idea that's just, it's cutting kind of through that you can't, you can't play games with God. You can't play games with him. You're either walking his way and, and trying to do life his way or, or you're not. And there's just this line that's drawn. Now, the good news is God is gracious. And it goes back to the verse 9. When you get to that point, point you have to confess, God, I, I'm wanting to be independent of you again. I'm wanting to do things my way again. And then he forgives you and you get back into light. So there's just this ongoing, I'm stepping in the darkness and I have to ask God for help. And I come back into light. And I'm stepping in the darkness. And I kind of want to be secretive. And I kind of want to hide. God, forgive me for that. And I, you get back in light. And this is a process that happens over and over and over again. 
And so we, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then verse 7 goes on. It says, 7 and 8, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So there's all these ideas that are kind of cumulating to this to this point. So you can't play games with God, but if you walk in the light and you're actually doing what he wants you to do in your life and in your relationships. And you're walking with him and you're reading the word and you're really wanting to live like he wants you to live. Then, then you have fellowship with him, which leads to fellowship with one another. Like we're all on the same page. We all know where each other are at. There's this, this honesty that exists in our relationship. There's not walls of deception or deceit where we're trying to protect ourselves. So there's this honest and openness that we have. Then it talks about this blood of Jesus that cleanses us. And then again, it's this opportunity to get real. So you get this, this thing in the scriptures that keeps reminding us that we're never too far away from wanting to deceive. I don't know if you're getting that. But again, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So again, it's like, oh, I was in the darkness. I was kind of trying to hide from God. I had my own little agenda. I was trying to do my life, you know, my own way. And then, God, forgive me for that. I, I really want to do things your way and you're back in the light. Then there's that point again when you get back in the darkness. You're like, there's not a problem here. I'm doing fine. It's all good. Why are people so concerned? You ever got to that point where, you know, you're really kind of just maybe in trouble in your relationship with God? kind of dry and there's no joy there or maybe in your relationships with people you're kind of pulling away and you're kind of isolated but everything in you is like everything's fine you get that you may not do it it maybe like more subtle than that but you know that's your heart like everything's fine heart it's really not but i'm just gonna say it is right it's that pull we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not us. it's part where it's so easy for us to deceive ourselves. Because, again, there's certain things that we have that are protective layers. Whether it's shame, whether it's pain, or whether it's pride. So the scripture is this encouragement that the way out is not self-effort. The way out is confession to God. And that confession to God and recognizing the self-deception that we have gives us an opportunity to be cleansed from the deception, from the secretive ways that we have. So it's this, this picture of, of deceit and darkness and all those things that weigh in us in this picture of a relationship with Jesus Christ that connects us with the God of light, the God who is light. And it, it just burns away all those dark spots, it burns away all those hidden things. And we can be pure. So this is just this beautiful picture and analogy of what a relationship with God is like. And so I want to turn the corner a little bit and just talk about what are you, what are you supposed to do? Like, what are the, the steps when you kind of sense that there's maybe some things that are, that are hidden? I want to talk about that. First thing is, just like the scriptures, you have to deal with that refusing to be honest and the secretive and the isolation. You have to deal with that with God first. You can't actually have open and honest relationships with others if you're actually playing games with God. It doesn't work like that. You have to be honest with God first. And so it may just be something, if you've never committed your life to Christ and you, you've never decided to follow him, I mean, really, like, give your life to him, 
then that's really the first part. It's just an honest, I have darkness and I, I need your light and I need to do life your way. So that's the beginning steps, committing your life to follow Jesus. That's the first step. The second thing is if you've done that, but over time, that darkness has been pulling you and it pulls us in different ways. Sometimes it pulls us just from apathy. Sometimes it just pulls us from we're just overcommitted, we're worn out and we just we don't have the energy to relate to God. Sometimes it's we, we're in some hidden things like sin. And there's some sin that we don't want anyone else to know about. And we know God knows, but we don't even want to talk about God about it because it will then get real. And so there's just times when we're, we're in the darkness. And so if you've committed your life to Christ, but you find yourself in the darkness just from over time, just letting some things settle in your heart that, that shouldn't be in there, then it's the same step. You have to confess. God, I've been hiding from you. I've been running from you. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to play games with you. I want to be real with, with who I am. This, this ha- actually happened in my own life. When I went to college, I'm just going to share briefly because of just kind of how it happened for me. But when I went to college, um, I grew up Christian and... I was very good at playing the game of the good Christian, but at the same time, not living it out. And uh, this kind of happened in high school. I learned kind of how to be two people. And with my church friends and my family, I, I would appear like everything was together. And I was the good boy and I was doing what I was supposed to do. And I was going to church and I was getting good grades and everything appeared good. But then there was just some other relationships I had where God was not on the forefront and he wasn't a priority. And I just lived for my own way, my own pleasure. And when I got to college, I kind of took this relating with me and I just thought, like, I'm going to get to know people, but get to know so many people so that I don't really have to get to know a small amount of people that they can actually know me. And so I just kind of kept people at a distance, had really shallow relationships And I got to the point where I wasn't investing in anybody. I wasn't getting time with anybody, but just kind of having fun with as many people as possible. And I remember one weekend, it was like a couple months into the semester of college. One weekend, I realized all my friends, friends that I had had were just hanging out with other people. And everyone had developed these friendships and everyone had kind kind of found their group. And I didn't have anyone. I was all alone. And I'd left home and I was kind of independent for my first time. And I realized like for the first time in my life that my strategy for keeping people at a distance and for not being real with God and not being real with others, it actually, I saw some fruit of that. And what I realized is I had no relationships. And I couldn't turn to God because I've been playing games with him for so long. And I didn't really have any friends because I hadn't taken the time to actually invest in any. And I remember this overwhelming sense of of despair that hit me. Just this overwhelming sense that, is this what my life is going to be like? Like no real relationships? Is this what it's going to be like? I'm I'm playing games so much that I'm not even sure what's real anymore. And it was right then that, that like God just gave me this sense. And I I remember it like it was yesterday. And and it was like God just told me, this is what your life will be. 
if you continue to do this. If you continue to fake people out by trying to appear one way and living another, if you aren't honest with who you are, if you're not confessing your sin to me, if you keep playing these games, this is what your life will be. And it was just this, this utter emptiness that I'd never really felt before. And right then and there, in my dorm room by myself, I just, I just started crying. And I had hit like the bottom of my decisions. I had found the fruit of my decisions, and it was rotten. And right then and there, I just said, God, I don't want to play games with you anymore. I don't, I don't want to act like we're okay. Because I know that when it comes down to it, I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. I'm living my own life, my own way on my own terms. And at the same time, I'm trying to act like everything is okay. And so I just confessed it in my tears that I can't fake God out. He knows me. And so it began a process that lasted a really long time of beginning to be real with God again, confessing what was really going on inside of me, the pull to sin, the pull to deceive, the pull to just seek my own desires. And it was a really battle. And I had to get back to actually reading the Bible and praying and beginning to relate to God again. And over time, this stone, this empty stone of my heart began to, you know, it just kind of began to melt away. And God's light and that darkness began to kind of fade out through the light that God provided. And through my relationships, I decided I had to actually be real with people and not try to appear a certain way. And the ways I was always trying to appear, it was always way better than I actually was. That was my strategy. I just got to the point, like, that's not a real relationship. That's fake. It's not real. And so God allowed me, and I'm so glad he did, God allowed me to give me a little taste of what would have happened if I didn't change. And that would have been my life today. And so I want to encourage you. It begins with you connect to God and you're honest with him about where you are. And then if you've been in the darkness and you... You know, you've walked with God, but you've just kind of drifted. You, you get back into fellowship with him. And then the light is there. And what happens over time is you can begin to have real and open and honest relationships with other people. And that's the greatness of when you follow God. It's not like this relationship pulls you away from everything else. As you follow God, he actually allows you to have the best relationships you've ever had because you're in the light. You don't have to have the same pretense. You don't have to have to appear a certain way because you know that God, he is the one that accepts you. He is the one that gives you your worth. So that actually allows you to free up who you are to be who you are with people. You don't have to fake it. And so I, I want to encourage you, begin with your relationship with God. Confess any, any of the, just the secretive or the darkness or any of the game playing that you're doing with him. If you've never committed your life to follow him. You may want to do that today. You may just sense that, you know, that I've had this darkness and I've been coming to church, but I've never really dealt with the, the fact of I need God's light. I need him. And then the third is you may actually need to just kind of stop the facade of your relationships and, and be honest about where you are. And there's just three categories that you can do this. Uh, you can be open and honest about your background. Uh, share where you're from, who you are what you're about, what you faced. Share that with somebody. 
Uh, we want to be a church that we have people from all different backgrounds, not just where you grew up, but backgrounds, what you faced, what you've come, you know, come through, what, what God has brought you through. And some of that's good and some of that's bad. But as you share your background with people, you're actually opening up your heart to them a little bit. It's a risk. But as you do that, people can know you a little bit better. Another thing is you can share your burdens. The, the thing in, in your heart where it's just like, everything's okay, it's really not. There's oftentimes there's burdens that you have that God actually has people around you that want to help you. But they can't help you because you're not letting them know you need help. So oftentimes God provides people to help bear the burdens that we have. And so share some things that, that you're facing. Stressful situations, challenges, what's weighing you down, what's overwhelming you. And you may want to share that with somebody. And then the last thing is the battles. Are there any battles you're facing that you're struggling with and you know that you need to let somebody know about? It could be a sin. It could be something that's happened. Just something that's just weighing on you and it's in the darkness and you need to bring it out into the light. And so just think through that. I don't know about you, but there's just this this kind of process that happens even as you start talking about this i don't know about you but you start to get nervous like oh no this is getting a little too real oh goodness because you know we're, we're good at just faking it right if i'm really honest how are you doing good how are you doing good right that's how we that's like normal relating but when you share this with people you're actually this is who i am this is what i'm going through and as you do this within a church community you find that this is God wires a group of people together and, and when you're known by others and the light is in these relationships, you can have help. You can have encouragement. You can be challenged. You can even be corrected. You can be prayed for. You can be served. And you do this to others too. That's just how the church is supposed to relate. So I want to encourage you just to, to think through this and I want to invite the band up as I wrap up. We're going to sing a song back to God. We're going to receive our offering. But just kind of take some of these things I've talked about as just just an opportunity to do a little inventory. You know, are there in any hidden areas? Are there anywhere where there's the darkness that you need to kind of think about? I want to encourage you, you could take some next steps today on the back of the connection card that Ben had you fill out. Uh, you could take three next steps. Uh, the first one, or sorry, that Jeremy had you fill out. The first one is admit to God that I'm hiding from him or others. It just may come like I just need to admit it. That just may be where you're at today. You just need to admit there's some hiding going on. The second, maybe that you need to commit your life to Christ. You, you've never done that. You've never decided to follow Jesus as the boss of your life. And if you've never done that, you need to do that first. That's where the light comes. And then the third is share openly with someone about my background, my burden, or a battle that you're facing this week. And so let, let me pray just that God will show us anything, if there's anything in the darkness that we need to deal with. And uh, as we sing this back to God, I, I pray that he'll give us the strength to take these next steps. Let's pray. God, I know that in my own heart that there's many things that uh, I want to hide from you. And I know nothing is hidden from you and everything is laid bare before you. But at the same time, there's just still things that I don't necessarily want you to see even though i know you see them and i don't there's things i don't want you to know even though i know you know them and i'm sure that's kind of the case for all of us at some point where 
we just want to hide from you uh, because oftentimes there's just things more important to us than, than allowing you to know or wanting you to know. And so, God, help us to deal with some of the pretense that we have or some of the pride and some of the image that we want to appear before you, before others. Uh, help us to be real just with what's going on. And, God, we thank you for the promise found in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess that you are Lord, that you will forgive us of our sins, and yet you're faithful and just to do that. And so I, I ask, God, that you'll just give us the, the strength uh, to ask these questions and to look at this, and that we'll experience the light uh, even beginning today. In the name of Jesus, amen.